Welcome to the King's Cast. Dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Here's a piece of a vision that a man once had. After this I looked. And there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice said to me, come up here and I'll show you what must take place after this. At once, I was in the spirit. And there before me was a throne. A throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. The one who sat there, the author now cannot really describe, so he tries to describe. He says, he had the appearance of Jasper and Carnelian. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. And surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones and seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing, the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes, in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second like an ox, the third had a face like a man, the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under his wings. Day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Day and night they never stop saying that. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, The 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne. And they worship him who lives forever and ever. We read here that they do this whenever they give glory. But we read before that they do it day and night. So these also are doing this day and night. 
they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. The book of Revelation from which this peace comes. Revelation in a very simple term means the pulling back of a curtain. And God takes this maybe older man, John now, and he's had a rough time And he pulls back the curtain to show him what the real truth is. Because John, being a prisoner, when you hear that he was on the island of Patmos, don't think he was sat building a fire and sitting under a palm tree. It was probably a a penal colony. Probably he was involved in quarrying. That kind of thing. He was a slave worker, enforced laborer. And it might have looked like that Rome had won, you see. Might have looked like the church had been defeated by the Romans and what God wants to do is pull back the curtain and show him who is really on the throne. And the person who is really on the throne is not the Emperor Caesar, but Jesus himself. The book of Revelation is something that Christians sometimes are scared to read. But actually, you should read it. The Bible says, blessed are those who read this. It's the only book in the Bible that says you'll be blessed if you read this. (laughs) Explicitly says it. And God sometimes in our lives, he wants to pull back the curtain and show us that although around us it looks like things are not going very well, When he was in the spirit, and it just caught me as I read it now. As soon as he was in the spirit, he saw that God was sovereign. As soon as he was in the spirit, he saw that God was in command of all things. Boy, do we need to be in the spirit, huh? And there are plenty of... uh, spiritual believers who actually need to have a much better spiritual experience or a more authentic one, if you like, because although they are very spiritual, they are living their lives completely and utterly worried from, from Monday to Friday. And in fact, to be in the Spirit is to know that God is on the throne. Anyway, I want to talk about worship today. This is a, a, a scene of worship, and I want to I talk about worship. And I want to help you to be a, a greater worshipper than you are. 
Worship is something we should be seeking to excel in, seeking to develop in, because God is more worthy than our words will allow. He's more worthy than our time will allow. He is worthy of praise. So let's just think about worship. I, the first thing, let me just turn this on, that would help me. Huh? The first thing really, we understand that um, worship is of course not just uh, something we do for half an hour on Sunday. We know that. Worship is involved in everything we're doing, the way we're living our life, particularly in private. Sometimes I believe the only time you are really a Christian is when you are on your own. The only time you are, you are a bona fide Christian is when you do something and nobody knows except God that you have been righteous. Did you get that? When you do it for others, that's a blessing. But when you do something and only God knows that you have been righteous, you are truly a disciple of Christ then. So worship is involved in all sorts of things. The way we live our lives, the way we treat one another. Of course, in our giving as well, that's all part of it. The way we help people. I'm sure it's all considered by God to be worship. But just for uh, today, I want to talk about the, the half an hour on a Sunday. I want to talk about the, the sung worship where we play a guitar and sing along to it. I want to talk about that element of worship. I know it's bigger than that, but that's what I want to talk about today. We know that it's more than that. But I want to look at these three uh, areas that may help us as we come to have corporate worship, as we want to worship God together. And here are my three. There are many more. But in terms of a church meeting, in terms of worshiping God, here they are. To be wholehearted in it, to fix our eyes on Him, and to expect the, the power of God. Those three things, I think, are important to our, our worship time, our worship experience. To be wholehearted, to fix our eyes on Jesus, and, and to expect there to be a, a release of the anointing of God when we are pressing into his presence. By and large, the people only were able to get something from Jesus when they got near to him. I want to say that again. By and large, the people were only able to get something from Jesus when they got near to him. So if you don't get near to him, you are in spiritual poverty, you see. You have to get near to him to receive from him. There was the odd occasion when someone would go and say, oh, someone needs you, but they are many miles away and he would speak the word. But by and large, people had to come into his personal space. And I want to tell you today that you, if you want to, can come into the personal space of Jesus. And if you can enter, you know what I mean by the personal space, it's the bit where you're not supposed to go. You know, like, like some people who don't have that social skill they can do that they can come up to you hello how are you and you think get, just get away get, get, get back you can enter into the personal space of Jesus but you have to want to do that and you can draw something from him anyway let me let me get going number one 
If we're going to be worshippers, we must be wholehearted. Wholehearted. I could have used any sort of word here. I could have used the word serious. I could have used the word passionate. But of course I'm aware that some people can make a big noise, but they're no more getting nearer to Jesus than, than, than the next man. Because you can of course be very loud and extravagant, but not quite be really worshipping God because it's something you just learnt to do, to be loud. You know? We must be wholehearted. I don't know whether you knew this, but certainly I think this is true, that worship is a ministry. We have things like worship leaders, but there are supposed to be worship followers. And together, it is a ministry. Some churches have a big choir. That would be nice one day. But for now... In this room, we are the choir, here. And maybe that's not such a bad thing. It's a ministry. (coughs) Worshipping God is a ministry. Worshipping God is your ministry, whoever you are. That's your ministry. Some would say it's your very first ministry. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. It's the first commandment. It's your ministry to worship God. That's your ministry. Your ministry may well be also involved in washing up tea cups. Ministry may involve being on the streets. Worship may involve playing an instrument or speaking or all sorts of other jobs. There are children's work. But our first ministry is to worship God. Can you say amen? amen. It is. And with all ministry, we have to come prepared for it. You have to be prepared for your ministry in the worship of God. So you can't possibly be involved in worship ministry. Uh, Forgive me, but you, you you can't be involved if you're late, can you? That says I'm not wholehearted about it. I, I just swan in and swan out. But if it's a ministry... Then we come ready. And here's another thing. We reap what we sow. As with all things, the book of Galatians says, we we reap what we sow. One lady came out to her pastor and she said this to him. She said, you know what? I didn't get much out of that meeting. I didn't get much out of that. And his... His answer was brilliant and, of course, perfectly correct. He said to her, well, what did you put into it? What did you put into it? And she didn't put anything into it, so she didn't get anything out of it. In worship, we reap what we sow. If we come wholehearted and come into the presence of God wholeheartedly, we're going to be extremely blessed But if we don't enter into his presence, then really we're just looking around at everyone else singing. And I don't know why people find that an interesting thing to do week in, week out. I'll tell you a secret. I shouldn't really tell you this, but 
I'll tell you a secret. Every now and then, Phil, who's one of the other leaders here, uh, we'll have coffee together at lunchtime. And I meet him at a certain place. And we have coffee together for about 50 minutes during his lunch hour. And uh, let me tell you what this. Sometimes he's a little bit late arriving. And I, this week he was. And I was sitting, si- sitting like, almost like on a park bench. And just across the way, there's a hall where people are doing aerobics. Right? Is that aerobics? Anyway, that'll do for now. Any more would incur a further charge. And I'm sitting, and most weeks I sit there and I watch all these people. They must meet every week at half past twelve, and they're in there. And because it looks funny without the music. And uh, it's, it's a glass, you know, the, you know, like one of these places, it's like a glass window. You can see, you can see everything. And they're all there doing it. Loads of them. Some thin, some fat. They're all doing it. Now, I know some of you think I should perhaps join them. <laughs> but that's not my point for now. My point for now is this. I sit there, and there they all are. Hands up, hands down. Hands up, hands down. And I'm sitting there watching it. And it occurs to me that some people must think that the worship meeting is like that. They show up and they watch other people doing this. They watch other people doing this. They don't take part themselves. They just come and watch other people doing it, this time to music. And do you know what? I just have to be honest. I cannot think of a more boring thing to do on a Sunday than that. Showing up. And watching other people meet Jesus. What, how, how boring that must be. Because the worship is interactive. It's our ministry. We're supposed to dive into his presence and meet him. We're not supposed to watch other people doing it. So we have to be wholehearted. If we dive in, and it's, it's the same for me. It's the same for me in worship. If I dive into his presence, I know I can be blessed. I can can enter in. But if I am thinking about, you know, what I'm going to do this afternoon and what happened last night and who I've got to email later on today, it will short fuse me from his presence because we enter his presence by faith. And anything that is not of faith sort of disconnects us from his presence. Jesus wants you to come into his personal space. Now, let me say something very important. I do not mean that there is only one way to worship God, and that is to dance around and jump up and down. Because there are people who jump up and down, and there are people who don't. There are some people who are more extravagant in their praise than others. Some people can sing better than others, etc. I'm not suggesting there is one way to worship that is sort of superior to another. But I am telling you this. That there is such a thing as singing songs and not touching God's presence at all. And in my opinion, people with their hands in their pockets are more likely to be in that category. 
So I'm not saying that we all have to jump up and down and do cartwheels down the aisles here, although it may not always be a bad thing. People have different cultures, different ways they approach God. I understand that, and I want there to be room for that. But chewing gum, looking around, arms folded, arriving 20 minutes late or whatever, don't tell me that's to do with your culture or your or, or that's just the way you are. Because that, if that's the case, then that needs to change. Worship is our ministry. In worship, we give something to God. And we don't want to rob God of what belongs to him. People go through stages of their life. It's very hard to do a cartwheel down the front of the church if you have two children to look after. So in that season of your life, you, you can't really do that. It's very hard to dive into the presence of God if, you know, you're on duty to look after the kiddie today. And so there are times when you just can't do what you'd like to do. But let me encourage you, when you can, he wants you, in his, he wants you into his space. You know, in the old temple system, there was the outer court, there was the inner court, there was the holy of holies. The Bible says in Hebrews that he, he wants to bring us through the curtain into the most holy place. Many believers today, they really don't get in this setup. They'd be sort of in the car park here. They wouldn't be even on the, even on the tarmac of the temple. I want to encourage you that you can be a worshiper. You can move from this street and this building and into heavenly places and into his presence where your life can be touched. A favorite song sung 15 times just won't do it. Only he will do it. So we have to be wholehearted. It's ministry. Number two, the father is a worship seeker. It says in John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking with a woman at the well, you remember the story? And they're talking about worshiping in, in spirit and in truth. And Jesus says, those who worship in spirit and in truth are the kinds of worshipers the Father is seeking. That's an amazing thing for Jesus to say. He is seeking worshipers. The Father this morning, across this great city of ours, is seeking worshipers. And indeed, every day. And I don't know about you, but I want him to find worshippers here. That's what I want. And I know you want that too. We want God to come into this place as we worship him each, each Sunday morning and wherever, whatever times we gather together on top of that. And we want God to say, I have found what I'm looking for. I found what I'm looking for. I've been looking, I've been seeking for worshippers. And as God moves from church to church across our great city, there are some tremendous churches in this city, as you know. 
And as God moves around the churches, I want him to be able to say of all the churches here in this city, I found worship here. I find worship here. I find worship here. Instead of saying, these are just singing. These, they speak of me with their mouth, but their hearts are far from me. It's one of the things Jesus said about the generation he was in. They give credence to God with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, he said. Oh, we're all guilty of that, aren't we? We can all stand and sing, I love you, Lord. But I'm thinking about this afternoon. You know, our mind is somewhere else. But we want God. As he glances through on this place. To say, in that place, I find worshippers. And I know this, that it's not, it's not very much to do with the songs we sing either. Because you can see in one row, the father finds worshippers in one row and does not find them in another. It's about just pressing in. The, God, the Bible says that our God dwells in the praises of his people. If God dwells in our praises, then, then let's have some praises. Because as we worship him, he comes into that place. Oh, well, I know. I know the theology. God is everywhere. But there is such a thing about God making his presence known. God was everywhere before Jesus ever came. But when Jesus came, he made God's presence known in a place. In one version it says, he could not keep his presence a secret. God dwells in the praises of his people. So let's give him praise. Number three here. Sometimes worship may need to be a sacrifice. When I first became a Christian in 1988, there was a very, very famous song in England at that time. And uh, I, I entered the church and they were all singing this song. We bring a sacrifice of praise into the house. And another of the Lord. All the tambourines going. Tsh, tsh. We bring a sacrifice of praise tsh, 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 into. <laughs> we offer up to you the sacrifices of thanksgiving. And I thought, what are they talking about? I've never been to church before. What are they talking about? (laughs) What are these things they're talking about? Then I realized, of course, it's from the book of Hebrews. Where the the writer talks about entering into God's presence and bringing him a sacrifice of praise. Now, of course, what the writer of the Hebrews is doing, he's contrasting the old system where they brought a sacrifice of an animal. And he says, today we don't bring a sacrifice of an animal Praise God, because Jesus has died once for all, there's no more need for sacrifice. There's no more need for a lamb. Instead, today, we still bring a sacrifice, but it's not an animal. It's a sacrifice of praise. 
Listen, if you've been reading through Leviticus like I have lately, you'll be glad that you're not showing up with an animal under your arm every Sunday morning. You'll be glad that when you leave your house or your flat and come down to your car or get on the bus, you're not dragging some sort of dead goat behind you. Well, I'm just off the Pentecostal church. Yes, yeah, I'm sorry, I've just got to take him. You'd be glad about that, that we're living in the New Testament. <laughs> but there is such a thing as a sacrifice of praise. And you only know that when life becomes rubbish. You only know that when you are struggling. And at the front, everyone is singing that God is great. But in your house, and in your life, and in your workplace, and in your bank account, you don't see that. Not right now. In your body, God's name is not healer because you still got that bad leg. You still can't hear very good out of this ear, whatever it might be. Or you're depressed. And sometimes it needs to be a sacrifice. Sometimes worshipping God needs to be a sacrifice. But I want to tell you something. It's okay for it to be a sacrifice. It's not false. In fact, it's a confession of your faith. It's a moment for you to get behind the curtain like John had to on the island of Patmos, a prisoner seeming like the church had been defeated by Rome and yet he gets the opportunity to go behind the curtain and see that God is in fact in control. And he brings a sacrifice of praise. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive glory and honor and power. Just because my life is in pieces doesn't mean that he's not worthy of praise. No one comes before Queen Elizabeth. And doesn't bow. And when taken to the side and said, you were supposed to meet the queen and you didn't bow. Why didn't you bow? Well, I didn't bow because the, ke- the kettle blew up this morning. Now she's still worthy of that respect in our, in our culture anyway. Maybe not in your politics, but in our, in our, in our culture. Just because we are not tip-top does not diminish God's glory. And we are here to worship Him. We're not just here to account for all the things He's done and decide how loud shall I sing today, you know. No, no, He's He's worthy. So sometimes it has to be a sacrifice. Don't be afraid of that. Finally here, don't forget There are billions of us. 
What do we mean by that? Well, we talked about God going from place to place, seeking worship. Sometimes you may find yourself, I don't know, on holiday or some other place. I once went to a church where there were just three or four people. I traveled across the country Sunday afternoon for a healing meeting. And when I got there, there were four of us, which included me. I said to the pastor, have I got the time wrong? No, no, it's starting now. There's nobody here. No, no, but they're... And this is not a joke, he said. Uh, they'd love to have come, but many of them are ill. And the guy on the overhead projector only showed up because that was his job. He said, I didn't really want to come, but I've got to do this. I thought, well, boy, are we going to have fun here? Just four of us. But there are times to think, actually, you know what? It might look like there's just a few of us here. But there's actually billions of us in this world that name Christ as our Savior. We are part of a gigantic worship choir. We are this section. But just up the road, there's another section, probably with a few brass and tambourines thrown in. And around the corner, there's another part of the choir And down Mill Road, there's a few more bits of the choir. And down into the center of Cambridge, there are other parts of the choir. And around the world, millions and millions of people will be singing that Jesus is Lord today. Some have already done it. Some have already gone off and are having... their Sunday meal. Others are still asleep and they will arise and join our song. But here we are, millions and millions of us. So let me encourage you. I really want to encourage you that the Lord wants you to Come into his personal space. To be in the spirit where we understand that he is in charge. To fulfill the father's desire to be worshipped. Sometimes to bring a sacrifice Nevertheless, to join with untold hundreds of millions of people just today who are going to exalt Him. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www kingscambridge.org
If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.